Hello and welcome to Unqualified, a podcast where two friends with absolutely no sports credibility give their takes and on stories and headlines in the sports world. My name is Will Stafford, and with me is my friend Andrew. What's up, Andrew? Yo. So, for one, I I we already I kind of already put this out. We have no we have absolutely no credibility no. in the sports world at all. We just kind of like watching sports. Basketball, football, kind of the main ones, but like we have no, like we don't know anybody in the sports world, except uh, unless you count Arkansas State foot like people. Like I, I know a basketball player that played for Arkansas State. <laughs> so I, I know a few guys that play basketball. I think I, I know <laughs> Nick Smith Jr. Does that count for anything? Um, has he signed with anybody? No. So no, he's in high school. That doesn't count. You have to be past high school. Anyway, so both of us are out of Arkansas State University, and we we really just enjoy sports. We really enjoy doing the research on them, uh, wa- mostly watching because we're fans. And you know, every, I I, can't, I genuinely can't name a person that doesn't like watching sports. And so, originally, this was given to me as an assignment. But me and Andrew have been always kind of wanting to make a sports podcast. Um, just to give our takes on certain things, different things across the sports world. And we kind of thought, what better time to make the first episode of a podcast slash radio show than uh, college football opening week? Yeah. Well, last and week, I guess last week was opening week. It's, it's an eventful opening week for sports in general. In the next few months, we have fans returning to stadiums and things just kind of seemingly going back to normal despite the spike in the one virus that we've all heard about yeah, that, for the past that we year can't and a half. say anything about <laughs> i just let's let's make this the distraction from all those things um and sports should be the escape from stuff like that um and like will said based out of arkansas state we're planning to gain credibility while being here you know over the next for me four years him three years um as we continue to study sports media uh, the goal is to no longer be unqualified <laughs> and to eventually move from the state of not being a qualified sports talker. But for now, yeah. as we're being educated, uh, yeah, don't take anything we say too seriously. Because I mean, at the end of the day, it's just loose leaf opinions. And I mean, the the research I've done for this for this episode wasn't even like a crazy amount but it's the most research i've ever done on one specific set of like set of things yeah i didn't research anything so if that tells yeah. you anything about i mean how much you should trust me <laughs> yeah you should not trust us on to to base your sports opinions off of these are our opinions if you want to go based off of what we say go for it it's probably not the smartest thing in the world we got a lot of things coming up we do we have uh we have college football starting I'm even excited. though it's technically already started uh, the real stuff. All starts. the main, all the big games are yeah, starting. The real stuff week. just started probably by the time you're listening to this. Um, so that's pretty exciting. Uh, SEC football is back better than ever. Um, and then the NBA is a few months away. What do we start in October? So it's just a month yep. away. Uh, late October. Um, the NFL is just two weeks away. They're actually starting this weekend by the time you're hearing this. So... It should be a big year for sports. A lot of things have changed. Uh, a lot of people on new teams. A lot of teams with new people. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, it should be a fun year. 
for a lot of new head coaches, a lot of rookies in every sport. Um, it should be good. The Little League World Series that just ended a couple weeks ago. I didn't get to watch a lot of it. Man, I did. It was really good. Um, Who ended up winning? So Hawaii is – they didn't win, but Hawaii is um, the pretty much the powerhouse every year. Uh, it's not like a, a runaway powerhouse, but they're always the best team. Uh, and so this year they made the championship and they faced Michigan. Michigan took out – I think they took out my team, Ohio. I had Ohio win at all. They did not. Um, Michigan won the Little League World Series. They upset Hawaii in a in a thriller of a game. Honestly, the the, the final inning was intense, but uh, that that just went to show me, like, man, sports are going to be really good this year. If I'm oh, enjoying yeah. the Little League World Series this much, man, we are in for a great year. Of I mean, sports. like, I mean, ba- in the MLB just now or just last night, the Dodgers took uh, sole lead of the NL West. Uh, it will be all over the place. Yeah, and and like for the first time since April, and 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 if you guys don't know baseball much, the Dodgers are kind of like the big team in the MLB, and so for them to just now take sole possession of first place in the, uh, in the NL West is a big deal. So it's it, sports is going to be really all over the place, which is good in a, in a sense. Yeah, especially for college football this year, I feel like they took the biggest hit because of. Um, all the challenges they had to face last year. I think this year is going to be a huge year for a lot of teams um, that lacked fans last year and maybe just had a hard time, you know, with without training camps, without some things last year. Uh, I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of players that shine this year, and it also caused a lot of players to return for an extra year. So we got. Quite and it's the also year. full stadiums. Full stadiums full are stadiums. back. And speaking of full stadiums, here at Arkansas State, we're going to be having a full game, like full capacity at uh, Centennial Bank uh, for the game against UCA, which I don't want to talk much about either team um, badly, but that is a big deal because the UCA A-State game is never really close, and it's it's kind of – it goes back and forth. Either one team is really good one year and then really bad next year, or it's the other way around. Um, and so this this weekend is going to be UCA and A State, and it's going to be it's. I personally think it's going to be a pretty good game. I I mean I have my predictions, I have my predictions for it, but um, you know we'll see we'll see how it goes. Uh, because this week is the opening week for new head coach Arkansas or for Arkansas State Butch Jones, um, who actually just came out of Alabama as a from coming from a special assistant to Nick Saban. And obviously if you work under Nick Saban, you got to know what you're talking about. I mean, maybe I, maybe, <laughs> maybe just a little bit. Yeah, he has a lot of credibility. He has a long line of credibility from his years of coaching. I mean, he, he coached at, he was head coach at Tennessee and, uh, and won a, won a bowl game in 2015, uh, which was our first in how many years is that? Eight years. It was a while. Yeah. Yeah. It was their first one in eight years. Um, his, I, I don't really, I didn't get to see, um, his overall, uh, career, um, career record, but in, in his, in his, um, time at central Michigan, which was his big, his first big, uh, head coach, head coaching job. He actually went just 27 and 13 overall and 20 and three in the Mac conference and going 20 and three in any conference is really difficult because you see the same teams over and over every year. And especially so, conferences like that where there's 
most of the time, especially in the case of Central Michigan, there's not like a, a dominant school in a conference. It's pretty much a level playing it's field in the MAC conference. Um, things like that are, are subject to change, and I'm not sure how they look in the MAC conference right now. But I mean, you said it. Twenty and three is impressive, no matter what. I mean, oh yeah, that's that's a feat winning twenty out of twenty three games. And I mean, in 2012, when he joined Tennessee, he had the youngest college football team in all of the FBS, and he still went six and six. He still had an even year and gave them a uh, a bowl game berth. The youngest team in all of FBS uh, in that year. That's amazing. And I mean, he went he went six and six, which is a very for what he was given. That is a very good record. Man, do we know how young they were? No. Is there? Are we able to? I can out? certainly look it up. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, I that was a really surprising um that was a really surprising thing that I came that I came across I because mean, just think about that. I, I, I there's a clear difference, but just for some comparison like um let's cross some sports a little bit here. In the NBA, I mean, the Oklahoma City Thunder were like an average like 20 21 years old, I think. And that's like, I mean, you see that, you know, they're not winning any games. I'm sorry, 2014, not 2012. It's 2014. So that's like if the Oklahoma City Thunder from 2020 went 41 and 41. Probably not. It might be a it might be a bad comparison because there's a big age gap in the NBA. But still, being the youngest team is a disadvantage for sure. That's that's where the coaching so, kicks in. Over overall in the whole roster, there were twenty four different fr- um upcoming freshmen, true freshmen. Twenty four. Twenty four. That is a lot. True uh, freshman. Yeah, a true freshman. Not redshirt freshman. Uh, yeah, not redshirt. Redshirt would mean redshirt would mean you could be a sophomore, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> redshirt is always kind of confusing to me. And then sophomore, there were thirty four sophomores. That's amazing. So that's I mean uh, a fifty three man roster. That's an NFL standard i don't know what it is in college I, it's more than 53 i think but i mean that's 50 that's more than 53 right there that's, uh, that's 58 f- that's 58 that's freshmen and uh sophomores that, that is so 58 we're, we're thinking, underclassmen we're thinking 20 and younger there yeah that that, that is people th- those are students our age which i'm 19 andrew's when 18 do you, when do you turn 20 I turn twenty next year. Next year, so most of them are we're safe to say are nineteen or younger. There's probably yeah. a few twenty year olds. That's insane. Yeah, most of them are still teenagers. That's that's incredible. So to go six and six, actually seven and six, because they ended up going on to win uh, the Tax Slayer Bowl. Wow, that is that is incredible. And I and and I I should have written it down. Um, I was I'm not sure who they played in the Tax Slayer Bowl, but it's in 2015. Uh, 2014. Oh. Or twenty fifteen, yeah, yeah, you're right. I apologize. And and even then they went back to back they won back to back bowl games. And they blew Northwestern out of the water in twenty sixteen, forty five to six. Yeah, that was the Iowa Hawkeyes, uh, the off brand Steelers, who had the same jerseys in twenty fifteen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was always pretty solid, decent, I think. Oh yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so Butch Jones, he's got quite the resume. He's got the resume, and like I said before, before we started talking about his achievements, um, he did play under Nick, or he did coach under Nick Saban, uh, 
as an offensive analyst and eventually became a special assistant to Saban uh, in early 2020. Um, obviously, um, being a special assistant may not seem like a bunch or may not seem like a big deal to some people, but to do it under arguably the greatest college football coach of all time is a very big deal. Agreed. To be to like be under really one of the greatest coaches football in general has ever seen is just that it that gives you a lot of experience especially like the the term special assistant would mean he is next to Nick Saban all the time so to be able to coach under him and to be able to take him from Nick Saban at Arkansas State is to me a really big deal yeah and he got the baton passed to him from Blake Anderson who is with Utah State now if that's yeah correct um and he came and he stole one of our quarterbacks from uh last year who followed Anderson. Um Bonner, Logan Bonner. Uh so last year Arkansas State ran a two 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 quarterback system sharing drives between uh Lane Hatcher and Logan Bonner. But Logan Bonner actually followed Anderson to Utah State. I didn't know that. Stuff like that happens pretty yeah. often. Oh yeah. Because I mean the same thing happened the other way, didn't didn't it? What do you mean? We have James Blackman now. Is he not? He he's not he's not from Alabama. He's but from he Florida State, but he followed. Yeah, he followed him because he knows of Butch Jones and things right. like that. SEC connection. Yeah, and so it's a big deal. Um, Sorry, it, it's not. It happens. Logan Bonner followed Anderson. Um, and I would assume it's just because uh, he he trusts he trusts what Anderson did for him. And said Florida State. Sorry, I said SEC connection. He's from Florida State. That yeah, I wasn't ACC. gonna say anything. I was just gonna let you figure that I out. I was like, wait, you said Florida State. That's not SEC. Um, but Bonner followed Anderson. Um, both Bonner and Hatcher were really good. I got to watch them in person for my first year. They were really good at sharing drives. Um, last year was one of the Arkansas State's worst years, and I and I can say that confidently. Um, it was their first losing season in seven years, I believe. Yeah, and. And that's and that happens. That's an ex- I like to call those experimental seasons because, like, when you have a team, a Division One team that gets a bunch of new recruits, and you got a new coach, and suddenly you start doing good out of nowhere, um, you're going to start playing harder teams. You're going to get a tougher schedule, um, and things are just going to be different. So maybe you have a couple good years of success because you play teams that are just worse than you. Um, and then because you start playing teams that are worse than you, you pay or you get paid for more competition. Um, and that kind of stuff can lead to bad seasons. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, that's, I mean, so that's the whole losing and I think season. It's also, I think another, th- a, a big thing that, you know, didn't really help teams that played was, um, capacity was not full. I mean, it, it was, I mean, f- there are people who will make the argument that, Fans don't make that big of a difference at home, but I promise fans at home make a huge difference, especially for college players who really feed off of hype and really feed off of energy in a, in a stadium. Fans do a lot for, for a team. I think that that leads to a good talking discussion here. Like, let's just have a talking discussion. Let's, <laughs> let's discuss something real quick because I've thought about this for a while. Um, just a quick break from the Arkansas State stuff. What do you think is more important? Like, do you would you rather have as a player, 
would you rather have fans in your like football stadium? Like, do you th- okay? How do I phrase this question <laughs> the right way? Um, let me find. I'll find a cut there. Um, I'll find a cut there. I've always thought about this. What do you think fans are more important to? Do you think that fans provide more energy and more like change to the game in basketball or football? At it, I'll say any level. I guess the easy way to think about it is the pro level. Yeah. Um, but do you think fans are more important to the game in football or basketball? What do you think? Oh my god, it's a tough one. Yeah. Both very different games. Pacing is different. uh, I'm going to have to go with football. Um, And I only say that because, I mean, basketball, there is something happening at all times. There is, I mean, like, the ball is going up the court at an insane pace at all times. Football, if, if, if you have the right fans, I think the best, like, fan base I can think of is probably Green Bay. And I say that because Green Bay, no, no, no. I'll say the Chiefs. I'll say uh, in Kansas City. Kansas City is the loudest NFL stadium in in in. It's, ar- the NFL. it's arguable. I think the Seahawks are close. But do you, but I, I'm I'm more just giving Still, examples. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it is a much bigger deal when a stadium is has more energy during a timeout or before the ball is uh, snapped anything like that it is a bigger deal to have like i think as a player i think it's a big deal to have like in the back of your mind you're like man they're cheering for me like even if they don't know they're thinking this but like man it is a big deal that they're cheering for us when nothing's happening see i disagree i think it's more important to basketball and i have one leading cause why i think that i'm gonna break it down for you so when does the crowd in any sport, when does the crowd get the most excited? Answer that for me. In basketball? In any sport. When does the crowd get most excited? Very general statement. I would say when the game starts, but I mean. Well, just like when something exciting happens, right? When yeah. you score. Oh, yeah. the, the answer is when you score. Yeah. Pretty much when you score, that's when the crowd gets most excited or when something cool happens. Um, so from a mathematical standpoint, there are four times more three-pointers made in a game than there are touchdowns in a game in the NFL and then in the NBA. Yeah. Stat comparison. Touchdowns are much less frequent. You, crowds don't get hype over field goals. You're kind of disappointed by those. So I would say there's only a few cases where the crowd gets hype in football, and that is touchdowns mainly big play touchdowns, but also just, you know, run in touchdowns, whatever. Um, so touchdowns, big hits are another one that gets the crowd pretty hyped. Um, big catches, uh, big stiff arms, stuff like that. In basketball, there are so many things that happen all the time because of the frequency of the like three pointers, the dunks, the crossovers. I think there's so much more of that in basketball, like so much more exciting stuff in basketball that I think it's so much more important to the game. 
because it just kind of gets you like in that mood. Oh, you cross someone up, you hear the oohs in the crowd. I feel like that is so much more important because football is it's it's slow pace. It's you know you kind of you score maybe four touchdowns a game if you're really really good. So in basketball, like teams average like 10, 10 threes a game if you're average. So. I just think it's more important in basketball. I feel like the fans can get more into the the fun stuff because it happens more. I think. Often. Well, I mean, you could also go back on what I said and be like, well, like you know, like it's faster paced, so it's harder to keep up with, and you know. But you could also make the argument that faster pace is best for a crowd. I mean, like you're right. you're paying more attention to what's happening. Yeah. So that was just one thing I thought of. Thought it'd be a good quick discussion. Um. But we can get back on. Uh, we we've talked about we've talked about the Butch Jones hiring, but what we touched on briefly um, is the quarterback that he brought with him. And you you know and a I should more about him. And I should preface this that James Blackman um, comes from Florida State. Right. Uh, Butch Jones is coming directly out of Alabama, so he didn't follow him from Alabama, but. There is a strong possibility that Florida uh, that James Blackman followed. Well, I mean, it's Butch just, Jones, and and that, that happens. Jones, yeah. That happens a lot. And so, James Blackman is, in in my opinion, he will become quarterback one. And I don't think uh, Butch Jones will have a two quarterback system uh, like Blake Anderson did, um, because. I think that the two quarterback system happened so much and it, it was the main system that Arkansas State used last year because they had such good like they had two very similar quarterbacks. They played very in, in very similar ways. They didn't run the ball much. They didn't scramble too much. Um, they had good arms. Um, and it also helps that they had one of the best receivers in college football uh, in Jonathan Adams Jr. Um I just I have a feeling that James Blackman will be uh, quarterback one. Uh, the last time he played a full season, though, w- was I believe twenty seventeen. Um, he he played four games in the twenty twenty season, and I believe he was replaced. Um, but in twenty seventeen in the twenty seventeen twenty eighteen season, he completed almost sixty percent of his passes and got upwards of twenty three hundred yards in his full season at uh, Florida State. I be- I would not be surprised if he becomes quarterback one and Lane Hatcher becomes quarterback two um, with the idea that, you know, James Blackman might get hurt or might not perform in the way Jones believes he will. Um, it is a battle between those two. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and we know, I mean, Hatcher more familiar with his teammates. Um but it's a new system, so how much does that really matter? Yeah, is the question. It should be a good battle. Um, is Hatcher a senior this year? Um, I'm not sure. I'll look that up because that has a lot to do with it too. Seniority is important. This would be Blackman's last year if he played in 2017. I'm assuming this is most definitely his senior year. Uh, he probably redshirt. So Lane is a redshirt sophomore. Wow. So I was not even close. Um, I don't know. I th- I think, I think Blackman takes it. I think he'll at least start the season. Um, I think Hatcher won't be too far behind him if anything goes south. Um, I, I did like watching Hatcher last year. He was he was definitely fun to watch. But 
there's a lot to figure out this year. Might be another one of those years where, you know, it's just one of those transition things, like like you saw with the U of A and Fayetteville. I mean, no one expected Arkansas to win four games, more than four games. They yeah. just wanted something different, um, and that's what Sam Pittman did. So I think, in a good comparison, that's what Butch Jones does here. I think he just brings a new a new system in new competitive spirit in kind of refreshes things, not expecting a huge year. Um, I hope for a huge year for sure from the team. Um, and I see it very much possible um, in the Sunbelt conference, but we just have to see. Yeah. And, and Bush Jones, like we've said, came from Nick Saban. And I would argue that Alabama is one of the most competitive teams in college football. Probably whether, the most. Probably the most. Probably. And and I got to I got to be on the sideline for a few games last year. And while Ar- while Arkansas State definitely was pretty competitive, I think Butch Jones coming out of Alabama will bring a lot more energy um, to the. Uh, to the sideline and to the field because and and I think any college football team needs energy and competitiveness because you're a bunch of college students you need you need to be able to really get after each other in yeah. a safe way in a good way uh, <laughs> boy what <laughs> yeah yeah no um I, I do think he brings a competitive drive this year for sure and hopefully um I mean you have your predictions yeah, I, I think I think your predictions aren't far off. I, I do see us dropping a few of these games. Do you have us? So I'm looking at our notes here. Are we losing the red? Uh, no, those are, those are uh, at home. Those, oh, those are, at are at home. home. Yeah. What? Wh- how are we indicating wins? Did you indicate that, or we have scores? Um, I don't have. I don't have. Are you? So you I kind of just know, like, kind of like below it. I said win against. Um, a little bit farther below. So everything else is kind of not. So uh, one of the one of the big games that I would love to see us win, but I don't see a big chance in winning is Coastal Carolina, um, who was number eleven last year. um, Ended ended the poll at eleven. FBS top twenty five. We lost fifty two to twenty three to Coastal Carolina in twenty twenty. Now again, a lot of things could come out with, or it could be a like oh. Well, that we're at home this year, so you know it, it's going to be a different game. But sure. I just don't think I. I mean, I don't see Coastal Carolina being much worse than they were last year. So I, I see your score prediction. Uh, we can go game by game here. <laughs> I see your score prediction for our season opener, and like I have mentioned, you're probably listening to this after this weekend's game has already happened. Yeah. We are predicting a 50 to 27 game with ASU coming up on top. Well, that was the last meeting. UCA. That was the last meeting. Oh, that was the last meeting. That was the last meeting. Uh below ah. my my original one, my 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 prediction for this week is 38-27 AS going ASU's 38-27. Yeah. I saw that earlier. I was like, "Man, he has us putting up 50 on him." I mean, we put up 50 last year. Yeah, different different situation here yeah i'll go i'll go 40 i'll go 42 man i'll go 42 20 
<laughs> Man, this is so hard. Yeah. Oh, 4224. I'll go 4224. I'm I'm giving I'm giving it a little bit closer of a game than last year. I say a little bit. It, that that would be a lot closer of a game. Um, but I would have to definitely say that it's going to go ASU's way and I and I'm giving this a closer game just because this is a season opener with a new under a new uh, coach and in a new system. So it's it's the first game to test what what you like, what you don't like uh in a game. Uh, UCA is not great away. They went, I believe one in four in away games. Yeah. One in four in away games. Uh, and then I'm, they went five and four overall. So all four of their losses came from away. Um, ASU went three and two in home games last year. And one of them was UCA. So, and, and as I, as I've continued to bring up, uh, it's at full capacity on a labor on Labor Day weekend at that. Right. And so and being at Centennial Bank in Jonesboro, I think on Labor Day at full capacity, I think that's going to be a big factor yeah. in how a state plays. Yeah. So, like I said, 3827 ASU, in my opinion, um, you know, I might be completely off and one team might blow out the other team out of the water. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, it's, it's always tough. It usually games like this are just one way or the other it's just blow out one way blow out the other way i'm not sure how we feel this year it's a it's a rebound year for a lot of teams after a a rough rough 2020 so um now this year we do have a new uh we do have a new uh defensive coordinator uh and assistant coach in uh rob harley he comes out of pittsburgh as the linebackers coach um Last year, last year, if I'm being completely honest, defense was not good. I could use a lot of different words. I'm just going to say defense in, at Arkansas State was not good. Um, gave up more than 30 points in most all of our games. Um, Man. And I mean... That's incredible. I mean, uh, in the game against uh, Georgia State, it ended up being the highest scoring college football game in the FBS in history. Uh, at 59 to 52 Arkansas State did take that but it should have never gotten to 52 I mean man look at look at these games we I mean what we're what we're putting up is good yeah and some of these but let's just I'm just gonna go game by game and let's see these opponent scores uh 27 37 20 and then we got 33 52 27 38 45 15 that was a go. good that was a good Against game Monroe uh, Lafayette or whoever who is this ULM yeah um, and then 52 and then 47 I mean it, it, you can make the argument and say yeah we lost those games by by probably average of a touchdown um, not a lot of these actually were blowouts so no probably not average of a touchdown um, fact remains Scores like that cannot happen. You cannot have. Oh, 50, You can't have fifty point games. You you can't do that. Yeah, no. Um, you you can't give up fifty points no. in multiple games. You can't give up forty points in multiple games. Yeah, and, and so and that's, that's something that I I know will be a point of emphasis this and year. And I think and I think but yeah, and I think Butch Jones figured that out pretty quickly. Uh, coming into Arkansas State, he he hired after hiring Rob Harley, um, because. We allowed almost 40 points a game. I believe that the average was 39.2 or so per game. That is not good at all. Um, 
allowed 409 points in total and um and allowed over 150 yards in rushing per game man and and the offense and the offense did pretty good for what they were given uh defensive wise or uh defense wise uh put up just under 33 points a game that's really good um rough almost 370 yards in passing and 125 rushing yards per game um and now rushing may look different um because this year we had uh Jamal Jones graduate or the, this past uh semester Jamal Jones um our running back number 1 graduated he actually still works i found out he actually still works for Arkansas State uh athletics um but if i were to guess everything will go off to Lincoln Parr or Pear i apologize if i'm saying that wrong um you know i think Lincoln uh, Pair will probably become running back number one now that Jamal Jones is gone. He got the second most carries behind Jones. Um, Pair even started one of his games before being before getting a season-ending injury. That's the one thing that I might say. Oh, he's not gonna he's not gonna be running back number one because he's coming off a season-ending in- injury. Right. But I mean, I would. I mean, he averaged six and a half yards per carry which is tied to third best last year in the Sunbelt Conference. And, uh, you know, I, I I would say watch out for Lincoln Pair. He is a good – he's a good running back, most definitely. Back on the defense of Arkansas State, because I, I was just shocked when I saw the number. It was 37.2 points allowed yep. per game. Um, 37. I said 39.2. Yeah, I was so, there. In all of FBS last season, uh, the worst team allowed. I mean, this is pretty outstanding considering that this team is so well renowned. Maybe not for football, definitely not for football. But forty six points they allowed forty six points per game. It was Kansas? Kansas allowed forty six points per game. Led all of FBS. Well, I guess you know was last in all of FBS. Yeah. Um, and you do the math. You couldn't do the math. I can just tell you, though. <laughs> Arkansas State finished uh, 17th, so the 17th worst defense uh, when it comes to points allowed. I know there's a lot more that goes into that, but not somewhere you want to be. Other teams um, in that region uh, that are of note is you got Ole Miss up there who had a not awful season last year. Um, and then Didn't they give up like – Four or five interceptions to Arkansas last they year. They did, though. yeah. <laughs> ULM, uh, University of Louisiana Monroe, is who I was talking about earlier, um, was fourth. Uh, so the fourth that worst. that giving up fifty nine points or however many points they gave up to Arkansas State did not help that. Yeah, Duke is on there. Um, there's a few Sun Belt teams in here, um, and a lot of that just has to do with you have a lot of skill on one side. So in the Sun Belt, we have a lot more offense than we do defense. That's pretty clear. Um, And so that's usually why you have people like teams like us and Kansas and stuff like that. Conferences they play in or just, they tend to have more of an offensive um, offensive rhythm to them. Yeah. A lot less defense involved. And that's, and that's a, and that's a big deal because you can't really judge because I mean, Butch Jones brought in a new defensive coordinator, and I'm right. going to assume that's—I mean—that is probably a giant point of emphasis. 
for Arkansas State because if because if the Sun Belt Conference is built around offense, which I mean, they there was a Sun Belt Conference game last year that broke the record for most points scored in a game uh, in FBS history. Oh. So obviously, offense is a big point of emphasis in the conference itself. But Bush Jones seems like he kind of wants to change that. Um, he brought in a few transfers um, names. I'm not totally sure on, but I will say that he is definitely he is definitely going to focus on defense this year. I, I I would I would imagine that those that some of these games are not going to be as high scoring as they were last year. Yeah. So that's what we think about Arkansas State football this season. We got we got a big year ahead of us. Absolutely, uh, a big year that'll tell how the next few years go um and let's just let's just sit back and enjoy the show this year oh absolutely and i mean it'd be fun i'm excited for arkansas state football i mean last year i didn't get to go to many games this year i'm 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 gonna be able to go to a bunch of different games it arkansas state football is definitely a very underrated team to be like to be a part of like in the atmosphere of this of uh, centennial bank it's a it's a it is a beautiful sight to behold yeah, when yeah. you're inside. Should be fun for sure. Excited for the season opener. Um, I know a lot of people are going to be out there for it. Um, so remember, so remember my uh, remember my prediction. Prediction: thirty-eight twenty-seven ASU. I said forty-two twenty-four ASU. So that that's Andrew's prediction. Mine was thirty-eight twenty-seven as of Thursday, September second. So yeah, I mean. If if you already saw the game and it was not even close, don't yeah, we us. might be completely wrong. Or it might we be a right, very low don't scoring say game. We cheated because I promise you, this is September second <laughs> at three o two p.m. and counting. So let's talk about our unqualified e. Oh man, of the week, man. <laughs> our our segment that I really just wanted to. I, I love putting people on blast in the sports world. I, I think it's important. Um, putting people on blast from people that are much more unqualified than they are. Yeah. But so this is pretty much the segment that we talk about the one person in the sports world that is just in some way, somehow more unqualified than we are. And that that's saying a lot. Yeah. Um, and this week, it was a tough one. There was a lot of candidates uh, we struggled to find the right one. I think you can't go wrong with the candidate that we chose. I love this guy too, man. This is such a great guy, um, but he's definitely unqualified this week. That is Tim Tebow. Yep. Tim Tebow was just recently cut from the Jacksonville Jaguars um, after his preseason. I don't even know if we can call it preseason play or if it was just preseason like effort. <laughs> he put in effort. <laughs> he, uh, we all saw the videos um, likely of, of him trying to deliver blocks. A lot of times getting the job done, but it was clear he wasn't built for the tight end position. Yeah. Um, and that's not even why we have him on here. It, it was one <laughs> of the reasons we have him on here, but um We've all seen the recent news with First Take. They've taken Max Kellerman off. Michael Irvin is now on First Take. Um, and he'll be joining Stephen A. Smith and whoever their middle lady is going to be this year. I'm not sure. I think it's the same. I think they might keep that the same. Um, First Take has been an iconic part of ESPN's programming for years. It's up there with ESPN's flagship program, Sports Center. 
might be their second most viewed sports um, show that they air. Uh, I can't be completely certain on that, but I would just imagine so. Uh, and I, I know you're wondering now, what in the world does this have to do with Tim Tebow? <laughs> what does this have to do with Tim Tebow, Will? Why why are we talking about first take and Tim Tebow right now? Well, with the removal of Max Kellerman, Stephen A. Smith needs somebody to debate every once in a while. Right. So now every Friday on ESPN's first take, Tim Tebow will be debating Stephen A. Smith. What? One of the most fiery people that actually the most fiery person on ESPN Man. debating Tim Tebow, who to me is a very laid back guy. Very like Max Kellerman was laid back, but he could get fiery. I don't see Tim Tebow getting Stephen A. Smith type fiery. <laughs> I don't know what Tim Tebow is going to say. Oh, absolutely. And I don't know what led ESPN to making this decision after Stephen A. Smith made comments about Tim Tebow um, in the last couple of months. It's just, it's kind of bizarre to me. Uh, I would understand if he sh- appeared on the show once in a while, but Tim Tebow is a college football analyst um, for usually college game day. He's on college game day's platform. And he's good at Every it. week. Excellent. Great guy. Him and uh, Kirk Herbstreet. They they really do a really great job college game day. Tim Tebow's never really expanded his ESPN analyst doings until now. Now he's debating Stephen A. Smith. Um, if you can think of polar opposites, you think of Stephen A. Smith and Tim Tebow. Yeah, Stephen absolutely. A. Smith is packed with personality. Um, High he's is, not afraid to say stuff. No, he should be sometimes. Um, and Tim Tebow. That's why he gets paid the big bucks, though. Yeah, Tim Tebow might deliver a sermon to you on any given day oh dude love him great guy he just he has that that perfect personality you always want to be around him he's super nice super laid back Stephen a smith another guy you always want to be around but for a completely different reason because he's funny because he's always keeping the party alive you know stuff like that so how in the world is this going to work and why is tim tebow qualified the answer he's not he's not He's he's, he's unqualified. He is. he is our unqualified of the week because we want it to run. Yeah, it's just not Tim Tebow debating Stephen A. Smith is just something I cannot see. Can't I can't get an angle on this to where I can say Tim Tebow's qualified for this? Yeah, person. like I just like there's just no way. Like oh, Tim oh. Tebow's a great guy. He's a, he's a, he's a great person. He, he was a, he was a good college football player, but man. I, I just don't see him being able to debate Stephen A. Smith on things. I guess the only way we'll truly know if he's qualified is if he wants Iguodala. Facts. If he wants Iguodala, then absolutely. Then absolutely. He will, he will be the most qualified person in all of the sports world if he, if he wants Iguodala. Because I want Iguodala, personally. <laughs> Good segue to the NBA. Absolutely. NBA starts in uh, about a month. And it's going to be an interesting year. We have so many changes I can't even count. Rhymes in the 2017 offseason. Um, we start in October the 22nd-ish, somewhere around there. Yeah. A um, few things that are happening this year that are of note. We have Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, and James Wiseman. 
People are counting them out. That's hilarious to me. And people are also counting them in to a fault. So I'm one of those. I, I think I think the Warriors are going to be NBA champions this year. I would agree. You think so? Absolutely. And I was hoping you wouldn't agree. <laughs> I, I, there's just... I don't see anybody... The Lakers might give them a run for their money, but I just don't see anybody getting past them. Because even Steph Curry... Carrying the Warriors by himself last year, basically, was pretty much like that was the best. That was the <laughs> best player in the league. He was he was a uh, a LeBron double rim three pointer away from making the playoffs. And you add you add Clay Thompson to that. James Wiseman, who is a new rookie who is or a, a second year veteran now, who missed half the season, missed half year. the season, but was good in the se- half the season he was in. Mm-hmm. Is a very is he has a lot of room to grow, but he is already very good for who he is. And they added they added Moses Moody and how do you say the other guy's name? Jonathan, Jonathan Kuminga. 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 And both of them are very good rookie p- pickups for the they Warriors, are. and they've both fit into that system really well. Here's what's cool about the Warriors, and it's something that I, I questioned going into the draft, and I'm now completely on their side. Um, when I saw the Warriors had the the seventh and I think it was the eleventh pick in the draft, I thought there was probably no reason they shouldn't trade those picks. Like those picks should have been traded. Like in my mind, there's no way at that position can you get guys to help you win now. Um, but I'll tell you what they did. They they drafted two guys that can help them win now. After seeing them play summer league, um, they are. They're both NBA ready to a degree. Um, they can help them win now, and they just built themselves a future with those two guys too. Oh yeah, maybe not the best future, and they'll have other pieces they'll have to figure out on the way. Um, but the Warriors, for what they could be, are still in a winning position now, and probably five years from now. Oh, absolutely. And you can't say that about a whole lot of teams. Yeah. You can't say that about the Lakers. Absolutely not. I was just about to say that. Lakers are not... I mean, Lakers are old heads right now. They are. I mean, they just re-signed Rajon Rondo. Or re-signed... Uh, signed Rajon Rondo, uh, who is... How old is he? He's in his mid-30s, ain't he? Yeah, he's probably about 34, maybe 35. Um, and I only know LeBron James's age because of uh, RDC World. And he's... 38, 39. So Rondo is 35. James is 38 or 39. LeBron is not. He's 36. No, oh, it's close. Um, but regardless, everyone on that team is old, with yep. the exception of a few guys. And but then Davis I, isn't super old. But I'm just not. I'm just not worried about it. I'm I, not I, sold on him. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm sold enough. I'm not worried about the age thing. I think that's been blown out of proportion too much. Um, obviously this team is built around the idea of LeBron only has a few years left. He needs to win. Um, so what do they do? They get guys that LeBron meshes well with plays well with, and probably likes outside of basketball, just enjoys them as friends. So I, I think this works well. Uh, I don't think a guy like Kyle Kuzma could help a team like the Lakers now because yeah. he's a guy that's going to probably develop in his prime years and years from now. When you have a bunch of veterans that know what they're capable of doing, 
I think I think the Lakers will be great. I, I don't think they'll be the best in the West. I don't think they'll be worse than a six seed. I think they'll be somewhere in the middle, maybe three or four. Um, they could be a two if they if they really get lucky with injuries and no one gets hurt. Uh, I, I think a four seed, three seed is fair for the Lakers this year. But I guess let's just ask this question. We'll keep this simple and short and sweet. Who wins the East? Who wins the West? Who wins the finals? Um. Okay. West, the Warriors, to me, will win the West. Um, the East, I think the Heat have a good possibility. No. Um, I'm still a big believer in the Bucks. Not many people, from what I've heard and talked to people about, not many people are huge believers in the Bucks. Still, I I'm counted them out. I'm definitely, a, I'm definitely still a believer in the Bucks. Okay. Um, so it's gonna be. I would guess that it would be the Bucks and Heat in the conference finals in the East, if I were to guess. But. I would probably put the Heat over the Bucks. So you're saying, <laughs> with you saying the Heat over the Bucks, and where are you putting Brooklyn? Ah, Brooklyn. I forgot about Brooklyn being in the East, man. Ah, and let me let me let me backtrack because <laughs> for in my mind I was thinking uh, the Nets were in the West, and I was like they're not getting past the Warriors. So let's let's recap a little bit before we talk about the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn Nets have Kyrie Irving, James Harden. Kevin Durant, Paul Millsap, Blake Griffin. Uh, do they still have DeAndre Jordan? I don't think they bought him out, did they? Mm-hmm. I think they still have him. I'm not sure what his deal is right now. Um, I think LaMarcus Aldridge, they're looking to bring him back because he just got cleared to play again today. Um, and they have Nick Claxton off the bench. I I just don't see a realm of if any world where the Nets would not win the East, as long as I stay healthy. I, yeah. So let me backtrack because like I said, I was thinking the Nets were in the West for some reason. Yeah. So, which doesn't make sense on a map. Geographically, but yeah. That, that's that right. just doesn't make any sense. Um, Man, I am, again, I am still a firm believer in the Bucks. I don't think the Heat can beat the Nets. I don't think the Bucks can beat the Nets. So I would probably have to say the Nets will come out of the East. I convinced them. Yeah, I uh, for some reason, like I said, had I I just put so them in the wrong yeah, conference. You forget about teams. Yeah, I just put the con- I just put them in the wrong conference in my head. I would have to go. The Nets and the Warriors will win their respective conferences. Okay, Nets Warriors. I, I can agree <sighs> with you there. Nets Warriors Finals. Holy cow! That, that would might be, be the series of the decade. <laughs> yeah. Um, with the exception of maybe yeah, Cavs Warriors, and there's a few Cavs Warriors for there. eight years in a row. Man. I I think Nets Warriors would be the best case scenario for the NBA. Um, I think as far as ratings go, TV ratings is probably the best best outcome. I think that would be a tough one. Yeah, but that is. I, that that might be a game seven. Hard. Type oh, it, it's it probably is a game seven. It's hard for me to count out Steph Curry. It, it's hard it for really me to is. count out Kevin Durant. It's hard for me to count Kevin Durant as well. Man. In a hypothetical where there's no injuries, I'll go. I'll go Golden State because I I just said I want them to win, and I think they will win. Um, I'll go Golden State to win that series and win the finals. I just I too early predictions. Yeah, 
normally I would agree, but just for the sole purpose of not agreeing, <laughs> I'm gonna have to go with the Nets, and yeah. I say that I do have an argument for it. I mean, Kevin Durant yeah. is the greatest. One much, of the all like, he had to say is Kevin Durant. Yeah, just like there. KD is arguably the greatest scorer of all time, yeah. and great. and then Kyrie Irving is very good in the playoffs. I mean, yeah. like I, I think people tend to forget how good Kyrie Irving actually is. Now, Mike was it Mike too. James? Mike James. Kyrie Irving is not better than Steph Curry. Mike James swears he is. He's not. But Kyrie Irving is very good in the playoffs. I th- and I think people forget that because he was in the shadow of LeBron. Mike James was on our, our list this week for unqualified. Um, when he made that comment about Kyrie Irving is just mm. better than Steph Curry. <laughs> it, it's it's just hard to imagine yeah. that he was being serious. But he was. And I, I've explained this. I, I do think, as an NBA player, you do have a bias, obviously, to what team you're on, but not just because you're playing for that team, also just because you see every little thing Kevin Durant does. You see every little thing Kyrie Irving does. Yeah. You see the warm-ups, you see the practices, you see the extra shooting hours, you see everything. Um, When you see that, you probably have a more profound respect for what you're watching. And he doesn't know what Steph Curry does. Mike James has never played with Steph Curry in any level of basketball. Yep. Um, so I, I make the argument if Mike James signed with the Warriors right now and he watched Steph Curry practice, warm up, and compete that close up, I promise you his perception would change. Yep. Even if he would be afraid to admit it, it would change. I think Steph Curry um, is better than Kyrie Irving, obviously. Like, I think that's not even close. Like, I mean, in my opinion, Steph Curry is... He's a top two point guard. He's a top two point guard, and he ain't two to me. Yeah, It's it's tough with Magic. I, yeah, but... It is tough with Magic, too. I just, it's apples and oranges. It's just more like... it's it. The, the argument I just made is more... Steph Curry is a top two point guard of all time. Kyrie Irving is a top ten. That's what would make this series so interesting. Yeah. Is Steph and Kyrie when you have a, a argument like that. They're both so great. Steph Curry, it, it all comes down to this. Steph Curry is so good at shooting. Yeah. And shooting is the most essential skill in basketball. You have to score to yep. win games. The team that wins scores more points, obviously. Yep. That's how sports work. So I think Steph Curry, not only that, I don't think he's just good at shooting. I think he's better at shooting, like that skill, than Kyrie Irving is at dribbling or any other skill. Oh, I would. Steph I Curry might agree. be the most skilled, like, shooter. <laughs> not even just that. Like, Steph Curry's skill level in shooting is so much higher than anyone has ever been at anything absolutely <laughs> like he's just so yeah. he's so much better at that yeah it's, it's hard to put into words how good yeah. he is it's it's just amazing and it's not even like he's just shooting from you know right behind the three-point line no he's shooting like 10 feet out with, and hitting him with pristine efficiency with 50 40 and he does numbers. it and he does it so easily yeah. like it's not like he's just like throwing crap up like we just watched a video a couple nights ago of near or near makes yeah. from Steph Curry from like full court yeah. like there is no here's another argument there is nobody in the league that you other than Steph Curry that you would have fun watching misses of yeah. 
Like yeah. I had genuine fun watching Steph Curry miss half court shots. Yeah, and and like I, I think I said this too. The only person that I would enjoy seeing miss is like a player that I hate. Yeah, like I can't even think of one off the top of my head right now that I just hate. But there's a difference. Like I love watching Steph Curry miss because his misses are so impressive. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, when he misses, it, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, the, the stuff he throws up. That just rims out. Like that stuff is. I mean, it rolls in and out yeah. like every and time. It's dude. not. It's definitely not something anyone has ever done before. Um, so I, I think Warriors Nets. That's that's a heck of a series there. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe Steph Curry wins his first Finals MVP. He got robbed of one years ago. Honestly, got robbed of two with Iguodala and then Durant in that last season. I, I think. The NBA is in for a good one this year. Absolutely. Um, and then last thing we'll talk about the NBA. Um, let's talk about the we think the teams we think are gonna be the most surprising. Oh. You can go good or bad. Good or bad? Yeah. Ah. I have my team and there's so many that I could pick from. I just really want to pick this team. I'm gonna start. I'll go with the Hornets. Okay. I think the Hornets will be good. I think the Hornets could squeak into a 7-8 seed situation in the East. Um, Lamelo is good. It's just <laughs> the, the Hornets are one of those teams that, man, last year, if I'm looking at the NBA schedule and I'm looking at what games to watch, if the Hornets are playing, they're high on that priority list. And they weren't even a playoff team. <laughs> the Hornets did not even make the playoffs. Yep. So why in the world would I want to watch them? Well, I mean, they have – box office players like LaMelo Ball. They have P.J. Washington, Miles Bridges. They had Malik Monk before he went to the Lakers. Uh, Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward. Um, now they have Kai Jones from Texas at center. I mean, that team is exciting. That's Absolutely. a fun team. Um, and I think part of that is why they're going to be so surprising this year. I feel like they can use that momentum from last year to kind of um, to build a, a, a solid playoff team. Will Absolutely. they get out of the first round? Probably not. But I do think they will shock a lot of fans in the NBA. Who's the um, Mavericks' new coach? Mavericks, J- Jason, Jason Kidd, Kidd Jason and Kidd. Jared Dudley. So I don't know if they're going to be surprising, good or bad wise. I but the Mavericks would have to be my pick, and I say that because I don't fully know how I feel about Jason Kidd yet. Mm-hmm. Um. Originally, when he got when he got terminated from uh, Milwaukee, I wasn't a huge fan of it. wasn't a huge fan of them getting rid of somebody who took them really deep into the playoffs. Um, it ended up working out, obviously, but um, I don't know how I feel about him in Dallas. I I know him and Luca will have a really good connection, um, especially um, when you compare Luca and Rick Carlisle. Um, they just did, apparently, uh, you know, it came out that they didn't have a great relationship after a while. Um, I don't. I think they will be surprising. I, I I'm not a believer in Kristaps Porzingis. I don't. I am. I'm holding on. I'm holding on to that hope. I think Porzingis will have a good year. I hope it's this year, um, but it could not be. And so, and now Luka Doncic is becoming one of the best players I have ever seen. I mean, he is just, he has the package and more. 
Yeah. He, um, I mean, I have said this from day one. I believe that by the end of his career, he will be a top five player of all time, whether he wins a championship or not. Um, and I think he has a possibility of getting a championship as long as Mark Cuban can build around him. And I, and Mark Cuban knows what he's doing. Right. So I, I believe one, eventually he will enter. Well, Mark but, Cuban's also not the GM. He, do, he does have say. In but he has say. Operations. He has a lot of say is what I'm saying. Yeah. They, um, they got a new GM this year, too, um, who is a former Nike president. Um, knows a lot about basketball. Yeah. I think the Mavericks, I think you're right. I don't think the Mavericks stay the same this year. No. I think they're, I, you have a great point there. I think they're either a lot better or just a lot worse. Yeah. And there's no in between. They're not yeah. going to be average. They're going to be very good or they're going to be very bad. No. No. So before we kind of wrap up, I do want to jump back to Arkansas State football, just give a few, give a few things about it. And We're way uh, out of time for that. No, it's it, I'm not I'm not even gonna stay on it too long. I'm just gonna give some. Remember that um, UCA and Arkansas State play. It's gonna be on ESPN three at six o'clock. Make sure to tune in. Could be a really good game. It could it could yeah. either be a really good offensive game, really good defensive game, or just be a close game in general. So make sure to tune into that. Uh, I know a lot of people are going around here. Um, so make sure to tune into that. Uh. If this episode was very all over the place, it's our first time doing this. So <laughs> naturally, it's going to be pretty all over the place. Yeah. Um, this was definitely fun to do. Um, my name is Will Stafford. I'm Andrew. And uh, this has been Unqualified. And we're still not qualified. Not qualified at all. <laughs>